Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Good evening. I don't know where you're coming from, but welcome. Glad to have you on here with us. And I, you guys, I am like, I feel exhausted to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel like my mind is still going hundred miles an hour and I have not had a chance to actually breathe since the conference. For those of you that don't know, we just finished up our ruins conference over the weekend and it was beyond my personal expectations. Um, it's never quite what you imagine it's going to be. God always has a cherry to put on top, doesn't he? Uh, he's just, he's so good in love and, um, it is an absolute honor to be his. I mean, honestly, like it, it is such an honor to be chosen, handpicked by the Lord to, to stand behind, by him, beside him and, and have him share his kingdom with us. I just, it's, it's such a profound honor to be called by his name. And, and, and so this is why I, I feel like my mind is just running because it's just like, I, I am just like, wow, just wowed by God. So anyway, this morning we are going to be in first Corinthians four. And, um, I don't know who wants to read that. We didn't even decide that. I personally uh, like Fence's translation. Okay. Let's I like mine too, but I, yeah. His pulls a lot out. Yes. Okay. Let's let's jump into First Corinthians four and just get this thing started. All right. We're gonna read from the message uh and get going here. Uh I, I assume you just wanna stop me at some point if you have something to say. Does that, sure. that work? Okay. That works. All right, first Corinthians four out of the message. Uh it says, don't imagine us leaders to be something we aren't. We are servants of Christ, not his masters. We are guides into God's most sublime secrets, not security guards posted to protect them. The requirements for a good guide are reliability and accurate knowledge. It matters very little to me what you think of me, even less where I rank in popular opinion. I don't even rank myself. Hmm. Comparisons in these matters are pointless. I'm not aware of anything that would disqualify me from being a good guide for you, but that doesn't mean much. The master makes that judgment. So don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. When he comes, he will bring out in the open and place in evidence all kinds of things we never even dreamed of, inner motives and purposes and prayers. Only then will any one of us get to hear the well done of God. All I'm doing right now, friends, is showing how these things pertain to Apollos and me so that you will learn restraint and not rush into making judgments without knowing all the facts. It's important to look at things from God's point of view. I would rather not see you inflating or deflating reputations based on mere hearsay. For who do you know that really knows you, knows your heart? And even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Is it everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? You already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle. Without bringing either Apollos or me into it, you're sitting on top of the world, at least God's world, and we're right there, sitting alongside you. Wow. It seems to me that God has put us who bear his message on a stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket. <laughs> we're something everyone stands around and stares at, like an accident in the street. We're the Messiah's misfits. You might be sure of yourselves but we live in the midst of frailties and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but we're mostly kicked around. Much of the time, we don't have enough to eat. We wear patched and threadbare clothes. We get doors slammed in our faces, and we pick up odd jobs anywhere we can to eke out a living. When they call us names, we say, God bless you. When they spread rumors about us, we put in a good word for them. 
We're treated like garbage, potato peelings from the culture's kitchen, and it's not getting any better. That's through verse 13. Do you want me to continue? Yeah. Okay. Verse 14. I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood scold just to make you feel rotten. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. Wow. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything I'm not already doing myself. This is why I sent Timothy to you earlier. He is also my dear son and true to the master. He will refresh your memory on the instructions I regularly give all the churches on the way of Christ. I know there are some among you who are so full of themselves, they never listen to anyone, let alone me. They don't think I'll ever show up in person, but I'll be there sooner than you think, God willing, and then we'll see if they're full of anything but hot air. <laughs> God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. So how should I prepare to come to you? As a severe disciplinarian who makes you toe the mark? Or as a good friend and counselor who wants to share heart to heart with you, you decide. Jeez. That's intense. Mm -hmm. Paul is intense. <laughs> he really is. Uh, um, and, and I just love how he, he uh, lays out there because, you know, we, we often put uh, leaders and, and the platform people up on this pedestal uh, and, and, they, they just appear to just have everything all together and everything looks so polished and grand. And that's just not reality. Right. And, and we have to put uh, what uh, real life looks like out there for, for people to see. Mm -hmm. and, 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 but I, I just love that in the face of all that in, in being transparent about what's going on behind the scenes and, and transparent about his own life, that, there is still a, a, a greater willingness to go deep uh, and, and without concern for what's going to happen, without uh, worry about being taken care of. Yeah, they have to find odd jobs to eke out a living to survive, but God still provides those opportunities for them. So he's not worried about it, but he's just saying this, this is the reality. This is, this is life right here. Uh, and I, I just, I, I love that about this. And, um, and, and I think that that willingness in, in the face of, of what appears to be difficulties in the natural is what holds a lot of people back from following through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They say, yes, they think they count the cost. And then that the, the reality hits of like, oh, what does this mean? First off, what does this mean for my reputation? Right. I, I start <clears throat> considering what other people are going to think about me. And rather than what's God think about me. So anyways, yeah, for th sure. those are the things that just get highlighted for me reading through this. Yeah. Hi, Amory. Hi, Lisa. Lisa from upstairs. I can hear her wandering. <laughs> <laughs> um, from upstairs. Yes. She's in the upper room. <laughs> Isn't she quite holy? Um, <laughs> I love the, the end of what you read for the kingdom realm. And I'm reading out of the passion. The kingdom realm of God comes with power, not simply impressive words for, um, so which would you prefer? Shall I come carrying the rod of authority to discipline or with an embrace of love with a gentle spirit? And I, I honestly think that it's, it's a trick question because it's both, right? Like we need both in, in our lives. We need, and, and that's, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the, um, the collision of perfect love and the fear of the Lord. And, and I'm starting to wonder if it, if it's, if it's perfect love and holiness creates the fear of the Lord, but we'll leave that alone for now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's, I think, and we've said this for years now that when you pull back the curtain of leadership in the church, it is not nearly as glamorous as we have wanted to make it. It's and, and not for this same reason, 
You know, Paul lived inside out. Everything that he was experiencing, he wasn't hiding because he wasn't attempting to be something that he wasn't. He allowed the mysteries of Christ to be on full display in his life, which meant he withstood beatings. He had to take on those odd jobs to be able to make a way. He, you know, came up against all slander and and still did not compromise. But what we don't want people to see in our Western church behind that glorified curtain of leadership is, is the lack of holiness. It is the lack of holding the line. We are in compromise and there is so much tolerance to be seen once you start peeling back the layers. And, and it's the complete opposite of this. Paul's living wide open before these people in these letters. And I love it. I love it. Can't you just see him? I mean, here he is most of the time, either in pain or imprisoned. And he's writing these letters to encourage these people and be like, you know, just go further, go further. And, 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 and here we are so like, worried about softening the blow or um, making sure that, you know, we, we curate the correction that we feel we need to bring to one another's lives. And, and Paul is just like hammer because he knows it's for their good. Jump in Pepper. I especially like how before he goes into his spill about Basically, just to put it in a nutshell, he's saying, hey, this is no cakewalk for us either, you know. But even before that, he prefaces it in um, in the second verse by saying, my translation says that um, a person who's put in charge as a manager has to be found faithful. And I think what uh, Vince read, it says reliability and accurate knowledge, you know. So... You see by this, you know, because when something's fun, it's fun. And when it's not fun, it's not fun. <laughs> but he's saying, you know, this is no cakewalk for us. But he makes it clear from the beginning, when God puts you as a manager over something, you have to be faithful. Mm -hmm. So you can see right from the outset, it's not an option whether he's going to be faithful to it or not. Whether he's enjoying it or they're enjoying it, it's not. He makes it clear. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. You know, but I think to give our listeners a little more context, it, it would be good to hop over to First uh, Corinthians chapter three a little bit, because <clears throat> what all this is talking about is how they were forming, I guess, alliances. I'm I'm on Paul's side. I'm under Apollos's ministry. And he's basically saying this is baby stuff, yeah. you know. This is this is like immature children because he made it clear in, in Corinthians four. I don't remember the verse, but he says we're guides. So I hear that as Jesus is the way, mm -hmm. but we are just guides. And how often do we do that? Put ourselves in alliance with a person or a ministry, and then we forget who we're following. You know, and it's interesting how. When somebody's on Facebook or YouTube, oh, I'm following this one. I'm following that one. I'm, <laughs> you know, and, and Paul makes it clear in other of the epistles. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And if I ever stop following Christ, even if it's me, don't follow me anymore. Let me be accursed if I ever stop following Christ. But if you jump over to first Corinthians chapter three. Um, it says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belong to this world or as though you were infants in Christ because of all this nonsense. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people in the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? 
or does, um, excuse me, I lost my place. We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news, which what it says in four, we're guides. We're not the way Jesus is the way we're guides mm. to the mysteries. Um, each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. And so we see through their immaturity and their petty comparison, if Paul wasn't on, on it, that could have brought a place of division between him and Apollos, you know, to say, oh, these are my followers. These are your followers. And let, let's have a church split and we'll both start our own church and our own religion, you know, so maturity, you know, <laughs> to say we are one body. We, we all have the same goal, you know, and we all have a job to do. You know, your job's not just to follow us. You have a job to do, too. Mm. So I just love how that brings, um, chapter three brings more context to what yeah. he's he's elaborating on in chapter four. Oh, yeah, that's so good. I love the, the message. Mm. <laughs> but for right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated <laughs> on your unspiritual dealings with each other. <laughs> And with God, and he goes on to say, you're still infants, still infants, me milk. And um, that just really, that really settles it, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> grow up. <laughs> yes, like it's it's time to grow up. And, and I, you know, full well that I wonder what's changed. What's changed? What's changed since Jesus came and did what he did? And um, I, I, I want to see a grown up body that is eager to, to live in the mysteries, no matter what. And that's what, that's what he's saying. And we know that's Paul's message. He's like, no matter what, I am holding this line. No matter what comes against me, I am holding this line and he will not compromise. And the thing is, is like, we're talking about Paul here. And we know that he's driven by passion and he doesn't do anything halfway, right? Like <laughs> he does everything full force and um, he's there when Stephen is stoned and, and likely it's at his, his call mm -hmm. that Stephen yeah. is stoned. And I just wonder, you know, he, it's shortly after that, that, that he has this, this encounter with the Christ, right? Like he, it's this glorious takedown. And, and I just wonder how often did that moment where Stephen is looking into the heavens and seeing him, Jesus seated at the right hand of the father and muttering the words, father, forgive them. They have no clue as to what they're doing right now. I mean, Stephen taking on the persona of Jesus in that moment had to have had an, a profound effect on on Paul's life, and and I just wonder how many times was that replayed. I know that, that so many people tried to get to the bottom of what what was the thorn in Paul's side, kind of thing. Well, probably the fact that he killed God's followers. <laughs> I think that that would probably stick with you. But instead of you allowing that to be used as condemnation against him to have him sidelined, he used that to have. God's mysteries unveiled before all. And that's beautiful. How often are we shying away from the catastrophes in our life because we can't understand how God will use that for his glory? Catastrophes that we've likely created for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, you're asking what has changed. And when I look at what Paul is talking about here in, in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4. Uh, I'm going to have to say not, not much. Um, we have created 
dividing language over the centuries of of clergy and lay people and 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 this is not something that was ever meant to be and this this is where we get into this problem of i follow this person no i'm over here following that person and 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 nothing has changed in this regard because all you need to do is simply get on social media and i don't care what your favorite platform is you can find this in all of them um and you are going to see one person uh, tearing down another. And it is not a comparing. It's not making comparisons. It's not saying, okay, what is this person's message over here? What's God given them to say to the body? Okay, it's this. What's this person over here say? Oh, God's given them this message to give to the body. How is that How is that sharpening me? What, what am I pulling from that? And rather than looking at it that way, it's, it's no... I want to be the the it person on the platform that people look to, that people come to. I want my following. And, and, and we have just created a bigger monster with social media in this regard. Yeah. Whereas it used to be to, you know, the local uh, uh, church at Corinth, you know, that he was speaking to. And, and maybe he had to deal with this in other places too, but this is where it's really highlighted. And, and so um, we, we've got a, a bigger thing going on with that. And and this comparing and contrasting uh, to look for the message and to draw out what it is that God's wanting to reveal to us, it just turns into a, a, a slander fest to say no. This person is is outside of uh, of his mind. He's not following God. He's he's uh, or she whatever is leading people uh, it, away from the kingdom. And and this this is a problem that has not changed. It's just gotten worse. And, and, and I think that dividing language uh, has created a place where people uh, desire to be that it platform person, because that's, that's when you start making that dividing language of clergy and lay people, the lay people are down here and they are looking to that person on the platform to solve all their problems, to give them all the answers, to reveal for them everything that God would rather personally give to that person yeah and 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 it just it is just fueled um uh, uh, evil things to to come out and and to just be put on display and 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 i think one of the problems that we get into is is people misunderstand that and so they they lose their place they lose their identity that god's giving them and they don't choose uh like you're talking about Paul getting beaten and, and still sending out encouraging letters. He was choosing joy yeah. in, in all of that. And, and that's something we have to be able to take out of this and, and break away from this uh, hierarchy structure that says, no nope, platform person here, lay people down here and just stop using that divided language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, you don't have to be uh, considered a, a lay person, uh, crack open a Bible, crack open a commentary, you know, mm-hmm. read a book, turn off the TV, um, uh, you know, turn off YouTube, <laughs> turn off social media, uh, uh, stop listening to us for a minute. And what's Holy Spirit telling you? Yeah. Right? So um, anyways, the, the choice for joy and all of that. And, and so um, I, I just feel like these, these partnerships we're making with division under the guise of, of wanting to lead people down the way of Jesus is, is creating partnerships with something that, that God's saying, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And mostly our, our churches are stuck in, in systems. We are not in a kingdom culture. We are stuck in a world Mm -hmm. system. And, And honestly, our master is 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 likely the prince of the air and um and 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 that's that's disturbing if we really want to closely examine what's going on in our churches we're going to find a whole lot of demonic influence because it's not advancing right the the idea of of um of 
the, the enemy coming in and having his way is enslavement. There is no freedom. Where there is fear of freedom, you can be guaranteed that there is a whole lot of demonic activity happening. And and, and that's everywhere. That's everywhere in North America. You're, you're not going to you're not going to find a place right now that that is free from that kind of influence because it has become a part. I mean, I, I go back to the doctrine of demons. We are in indoctrinated people right now and um and and that those doctrines are enslaving our minds and our minds are not free and if our minds are not free then we cannot be free people and and so i think that you know we've got to we've got to look at a few things as um profiting on the altar right like is that a system of god 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 says seek first the kingdom and all of your needs will be added unto you don't put a price tag on my altar. And this is how this is how the majority of of our western culture is is run through the love of money. And and everything is determined by the love of money. And I'm just going to give you a quick little gl- glimpse into the mentality behind this is if the particular ministry within a church setting is bringing in the people, putting butts in seats, then they are seen as someone worthy of being paid. That's how these systems are working. It's enslavement. It's a numbers game. If you're bringing in people, then you're worthy of being cared for. And and that's 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 gross, you guys. It is it's pure enslavement to a system. And whether there's an exchange of money or not, that's not kingdom value. Kingdom functions from inheritance. That is our currency, is inheritance. And we need to be teaching one another to lean in for that inheritance because he's a good father who cares for those who work for him. Right. Like when he becomes our master, the headmaster, right, then all things are added to us and we want for nothing. The people in that first church in Acts, they weren't running around trying to gather up people. Numbers were added to them daily because they stood within the space of the kingdom called the narrow way, kept their eyes fixed on Jesus and refused to budge. This is why numbers were added to them daily. And even when people failed to commit to the way of the kingdom and, and people died, we know this, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied about money and, and that got them killed. But what happened on the backside of it? A greater outpouring of the fear of the Lord was released and numbers were added to them because there were people brave enough, bold enough to hold the line and not attempt to cover up the death of Ananias and Sapphira. In today's church, we would want to cover that up. Yeah, I think the question of how are we compromised, what you uh, were talking about a minute ago, you can go anywhere in any church. And in some place, there is going to be a level of compromise, a, a point of tolerance of, of something, some behavior or tolerance of a message that's being presented or a message that's not being presented that should be. Uh, and and just really taking, taking a hard look at that and, and just being willing. If you're willing and open to, to looking at that information and just hearing what Holy Spirit has to say and, and then taking action mm-hmm. to, to, uh, what we have been talking about over and over and over again from the word for 2023 is holding the line of no compromise, breaking the back of tolerance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's it's Jesus being lifted high. Mm-hmm. That is the drawing that we need to be after, not whether or not your your worship leader has enough pizzazz to draw people into their presence, not whether or not the the teaching pastor is capable of spewing out the right language that captivates the people and keeps them awake, and not whether somebody is capable of holding your children's attention for 60 minutes. 
That is not supposed to be the captivating ingredient in our churches. It is supposed to be Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that we gather together to release praise, lift him high, make him king, make him the the most majestic thing on the universe for 60 minutes, and then the people will be drawn. I don't have my hanky. Cheers to that. (laughs) Cheers to that. And, you know, I, I just find it fascinating um, that our our human nature, our sin nature, we're always looking for someone to worship, to lord over us, it's other true. than the Lord Jesus. You know, it's like they love Moses when they could see him in their presence. But the minute he wasn't in their presence, oh, we need somebody else to worship. Yes. You know, because it was like the worship that was due Yahweh. It, you can see how, in a way, that was being put on Moses. You know, the affections of the people and even their needs. They weren't looking to Yahweh, the one who made the quail drop out of the sky. They were looking to Moses. You talk to this God and you tell him. You know, we want blah, 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 you know. And, 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 you know, you know the story of how when they wanted a king, God gave them what they wanted, but he made it very clear. This is what's going to happen if you get a king. They're going to lord over you. You're going to make slaves out of you. You're going to take your money. They're going to do this. We don't care. Give us a king. Give us a king. You know, so that really fascinates me how. And even we see in this example, a lot of times, you know, we see, uh, fivefold persons that will elevate themselves and they want that worship from the people. But we see here, Paul isn't even asking for this, but yet people still want to heap worship on him. And Apollos, that's really what it is. And he made it clear in other of his writings that, you know, this is my position as an apostle and this is what this is what my job is. But he said there are Many diversities of gifts, you know, it's it's through the same source, but there are many different administrations, you know, in the body. But, you know, if you look over in um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, it, he says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. And that is what his job is to do. He's not saying it makes me better or worse, but this is my job. And I do it like an expert builder. Now, others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have laid, Jesus Christ. And he says, he makes it clear And it might sound arrogant. I'm an expert builder. He doesn't mince words in saying, you know, what I do, I do it with excellence. But the foundation is Jesus. Yeah. And he says, verse 12, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the, uh, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Mm. And verse 16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? It's not me. It's not you. It's all of us together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you. And, you know, like Vince, you were saying that dividing language, Paul's not using dividing language here. He makes it very clear what his position is in the body. And he makes it very clear that he feels like he does it with excellence. But he doesn't use dividing language to lord over them. He wants them, to me, it sounds like he's calling them up. Yeah. Um, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? 
God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, as the scriptures say. So I just find it fascinating how he's saying, I'm calling you an equal in the sense that we are co-laboring together. Yes, my role is very essential. And scripture says my role has to come first as an apostle. And I have to be an expert builder like uh, uh, John Peters taught us how important that excavation process and the building and that by the time you get to the roof, you'll see wasn't what, what was not done right in the foundation. That's how I see that with the wood, hay, and stubble. At some point, you know, you're going to see who built with the wrong materials. So my job as an expert builder is very important, but you co-laboring with me, don't look to me, don't look to Apollos. We're the foundation layers, and we're all together going to take our materials and build because we are all the temple. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is like Paul knew his, he knew his role as an apostle. And, and we, we love to shine that title up, don't we? (laughs) And put it on a pedestal pedestal and make it something that it's absolutely not. It it, it is not what we've made it out to be any of the fivefold. If anything, and we know that, that the, the fivefold is a gift to the church. It's Christ's gift to the church. And, but another way to look at that is a tool in your hand. Are you using the gifts that God has placed in your life as a tool in your hand? And I'm always reminded of, of the relationship that Lester Summerall had with Smith Wigglesworth. And you guys, this did not look like anything that, that we see today. The, the the measure of discipleship that took place between these two was, Lester, if you're hungry, come and sit at my feet while I pray. And with a caveat of, don't you dare bring that newspaper in my house. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I think that we need to reexamine what we think we know about the kingdom. It is it, because this hierarchical mindset that we have, well, oh, well, they're, they're a prophet. So blah, blah, blah. No, the way that Paul explains this. And, and if you look up the different languages in, 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 in this passage of first um, Corinthians four, he's actually, when he's calling themselves Messiah's misfits, they're, they're like, we are no more than dung. You know, they, they are trampled. They die daily typically at the hands of those who are surrounding them. Are we willing willing to to play that role? Are we willing to lay down and and have our our lives used and abused? Honestly, in all honesty, that's what it's going to be like. And um, are are we willing to be a tool in someone else's hand? And uh, uh, are we willing to allow people to come alongside us and follow us everywhere we go? Probably not. But that's the point. That's the point of being a gift to the church. You are a tool in the hands of the church. And I just don't think we're there yet. We love titles. Even those of us that say, ah, I don't care about titles. Lies. (laughs) Lies. <laughs> yeah. Truth. Yeah, we we do. We care very much about about titles. We we need we need deliverance. We really do. And I'm not just throwing that word around frivolously. We need to be delivered from the things that that are part of a system rather than a kingdom. And and that has a lot to do with our mind the thoughts that we think that we do not keep take captive to the lordship of Jesus Christ because when we are we are, when we are in the business of lifting Jesus high we have to be careful of what it is that we are bonding with him over years ago i was in the middle of worship and god starts talking to me about what takes place in the middle of worship 
I know I've told you guys this before, but it's the same bonding element that takes place when a mother is nursing her child, which is why it's so important that a mother nurses her child because there is a deep bonding that takes place that will last a lifetime. And that is the same thing that's happening between us and the Lord when we are worshiping. And so um, what, what he was drawing my attention to is that when we have fallen things on our minds and we're attempting to, to offer worth to him, we're actually bonding with those things that are in our mind rather than his lordship. And, and which creates a fallenness, which creates us a, a tethering to systems rather than to a kingdom. And ours is to expand his kingdom far and wide. And we can't do that if we're bonding over things that hold us hostage to systems of the world, because those come directly from Satan. He has created systems that appear, they are likened to the kingdom, mm-hmm. to the throne room, but they are not. And this is why we need to know him. We need to know him. We need to know him. It is so important. And if we do not lift him up in all authenticity, which is why he's calling for worship from the space of the heart right now, and not from songs that have been written and engineered and made to sound glorious by the earth's standards. He doesn't measure things that way. John is always telling me that I I can't be on the worship team because I can't sing. (laughs) But, and I know he's totally kidding, but not (laughs) like nobody wants to hear that mic. But the thing is, is that there is worship inside of me that needs to be released. There is worship inside of me that matters. There's worship inside of me that can establish something because of what I know. Because what I know about the king of all kings, and the same is true for anyone listening, there's worship inside of you that needs to be released. Because when we release praise, he comes down and establishes his throne on authentic praise, right? And that's where we are allowing his authority to be established on the earth. This is why our authentic praise is so important right now. And, and I said it last Friday, like we're about 18 months behind schedule. It was 18 months ago that God called for authentic praise, nothing that has been written before. I just want the overflow of your heart because that's where the truth is residing. And, 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 and here's the thing, and this is, this is kind of a, a warning, just because I want us to understand that that top layer, when people are being released into the authentic, that top layer is going to be soulish. And you're going to be standing around going like, um, I don't know if this is fully God <laughs> that's taking place. Listen, all of you have been there. You stood on the sidelines and judged. I know it. Mm-hmm. But allow it. Like, allow it because I'm scooping off that top layer so that the true things about me can bubble up. But there's 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 a cap on it. It's almost like you know when when you pour grease into something, like you want to wash the pan, so you pour it into something else so you can take care of it later because it's too hot to dispose of, and it gets that really thick white layer on top of it. That's that's the way that I'm seeing this. Where God is like, there is a soulish layer that that needs to be exercised so that the underneath goodness can can come up, and so we need to we need to have space for that. We need to be mindful and discerning that there needs to be space to work out that soulish layer so that the goodness can come to the forefront and establish the kingdom authority on the earth. And I would even go as far to say as he uses the soul that it's necessary. Yes. And he can eject us right there. But I think because we talk about dying then it gets into, uh, is it like that? I think they use the word Gnostic or Gnosticism where my, my body and my soul have no value. I'm just a spirit being baloney. Why would God make us this if it wasn't a part of who he wanted us to be? You know, I don't just get up there and, you know, the angels and I, we all erupt into hallelujahs. You know, mm-hmm. my personality comes through. Who I am comes through. 
my preferences, my likes come through. And God's okay with that as long as it's not, you know, dishonoring and blasphemists and, you know, and, and I'm just trying to live in this soulish realm. Mm-hmm. But that's all part of what makes me interesting when I worship, you know, or anybody for that matter, interesting it's what makes you interesting as a speaker, Angie. It's make it's what makes Vince, you know, convincing as a speaker, his own personality, because he still carries the general, the soldier, and it comes through in his message as an apostle. That was by design. That wasn't by accident. So he doesn't have to strip himself of his personality. Yeah. You know. So I would go as far as to say, yeah, it's the plan. (laughs) You know, it's part of the plan. Yeah. And I think that maybe a a better way to to say that is more like that, that top layer is, is, is that fleshly layer. And that's probably a better way to word that because you're right. I mean, the, the soul, we're supposed to be commanding our souls to, Mm -hmm. to, to worship him. Yeah. They work with us. Yes. And so soul good. (laughs) Flesh not. And and so I think that, thank you for that. Cause I think that that's better language is that there is that, that top layer where flesh is wanting to get involved and, and it's the, the soul that, that God is wanting to hear from. Right. And, and it's our it's our soul that knows the way home. Right. Our mm. soul has been with him for eons mm. and um, and and knows him full well. And so mm. it's these mysteries of history that need to bubble up and be released. But that, that and that's why David says, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And all that is within me. All that is within me. <laughs> Yeah, we talk about the the soul, our, our mind, will, and emotions. You know, we, if, if we have that sound mind of Christ, if we have the will to hold the line of no compromise, uh, uh, and we are listening to the input of emotions and not allowing them to control what we're doing, it, it's a great partnership. And and but we have to command those things to to be in in the right there. Yeah. But I love what you're you're talking about uh, with worship. And, and being intentional with that and, and really allowing the overflow to, to, to come out. And um, I think what happens is, is we often will not want to do that because it, it's, it is part of freedom. Yeah. And when we start to, to worship uh, something else, we don't have responsibilities anymore. We start to, we start to have uh, uh, that taken away. And so um, it, it's easier to not have responsibilities. And yeah. and so um, being in that overflow of worship, though, oh, my gosh, we, we have to have to have to have to get there mm-hmm. uh, and not not be looking to the polished songs, not be looking to the lights and the smoke and all of the pretty things that are, are flashy and hold our attention uh, and, and make us, uh, I don't know, feel some kind of way rather than uh, Jesus capturing our attention yes. and, and us, us maintaining there. Yeah. And, and, and I think what you're, you're talking about with, with the fivefold and having a wrong look at that, um, these people need to, that are holding fivefold office need to understand their place as uh, Chris Valentin calls them equipment managers. I wouldn't say that because equipment managers just maintain functionality. It's more like a coach who is going to teach you how to use that piece of equipment, who is going to tell you how to take it out and get more out of it. Who's going to tell you how to uh, go out there and and give you direction on on what you can be doing with this thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, uh, and again, that if we if we lose the dividing language, we don't have this problem or this misunderstanding anymore. And, and then we can we can have people that are are holding fivefold office, you know, and functioning in that capacity to equip the saints to do the work of the kingdom. Then we don't have uh, this problem of, of getting away from uh, the worship that God is calling us into. Absolutely. And I think what's a shame is that 
we feel like we're not allowed to use the language and the titles of the Bible because people have made them dividing language. Paul calling himself an apostle and making it clear that I'm an expert builder, that might sound arrogant, but that's who God called him. But now because we've attached a different definition to that by our behaviors, and it's really as much about as our dividing behaviors, you know? And so now it's like, well, because they made a phony $3 bill. I don't want money anymore, but we know that's ludicrous, (laughs) you know? So I've even heard people say, I don't want to be called a Christian anymore because it has such a negative connotation. Well, it's always had a negative connotation. It's supposed to be a a backhanded compliment, (laughs) you know, that we wear, you know? Now we want it to be this beautiful, fluffy thing to be called a Christian, but really that, that was, you know, that's why they were, it was, it was like an insult to be called Christ followers back then. But now we want Christian to have this, you know, beautiful accepting. And so it, I think it's, it's not so much the names of the titles. And because if I walk in a room and God doesn't help me discern, I want to know that you're an apostle or prophet or, you know, uh, how can I make a withdrawal? on what you have if I don't know what's in your account, (laughs) you know? How am I supposed to receive this person? That's right, you know? And also, how do I honor that person? Because there is an honor that comes with everything, you know, that we do. We are to honor one another. You know, it's like if your name is, uh, if you go by Mr. Vincent Reen, then I don't want to come in, hey, Vince, buddy. You know, I want to respect that, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it's a shame that we've uh, done that with the title so that people can't even identify their function by their title, you know, and that's what they're for. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're running out of time. So I just want to say this one last thing. If we do not train now in the art of praise, it will not be available to us when we most need it. Oh. It's just, it's important. I I really, I am starting to believe it's one of the most important things that we can actually do is learn how to release, to, to ascribe worth to Jesus Christ. You can just look at the, the incident of Paul and Silas being thrown in prison. If they did not have that under their belt, the Mm. ability to release praise in that hour, they would have remained captive. They didn't call out a drummer, the best guitar player, the best worshiper. They just released praise. And I have a feeling they probably couldn't sing that well. Doesn't matter to God. He's after hearts. How did, how did this happen? How did we create this monster of, of what worship is? It's ascribing worth to the lamb. And I have a feeling it's because Paul and Silas didn't just do it in that moment. I got a feeling it was a lifestyle. Lifestyle. (laughs) That when they were rowing the boat, they were praising. Right. And that when they were getting flogged, they were praising. And that when he was building his tents and sewing them together, he was praising. Yeah. So it it came from an overflow. Yes. Yeah. And everyone went free. Our praise is power. When you ascribe worth, when you point to Jesus, everyone goes free. Be blessed, friends. We'll talk soon.